Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Thank you all so much for being here with us this morning, whether you're in person, streaming with us online. We really are glad you're here. Hope you've had a great weekend so far, holiday weekend. It's a good weekend to be a Hokey fan, right? How about that game? What a good way to start the season, right? Anyone go to the game? Anyone go? Oh, a lot of people. Okay, cool. Awesome. You're the lucky ones. That's right, Hokies. But hey, listen, I'm so glad you're here with us today. We have been in this series called The New Norm. And what we've been talking about are the battles that we face as people, right? The, the enemies that we have in life. Sometimes, what we talked about, it's that sinful nature inside of us that's pulling us away from the person God wants us to be. And, and, and so we established last week in the last two weeks that, um, that as we go throughout life, we all have to struggle in certain ways. And, and, and if you want to be a follower of Christ, you've, you've got to really put to death that sinful nature and, and, put, and bring to life the, the spirit that lives inside of us, right? So what we established over the last couple of weeks is that each one of us is born with a sinful nature, okay? You could be a Christian. You could be uh, someone who maybe haven't crossed that line yet. You're not really sure what you believe. That's completely okay. You know, we're glad you're here, glad you're watching. That's fine. Um, but when you become a Christian, uh, the Bible says that God adopts us as his children, right? And part of that is that he puts his spirit inside of us. And that spirit is supposed to give us the strength and the power and the ability to fight against that sinful nature that we have that's pulling us and pressuring us away from the person God wants us to be. And so up until now, up until this week, we pretty much talked about a lot of what God does. A lot of times that's behind the scenes that ends up giving us, you know, the life we have now. But we've talked about God doing the saving, right? It's not us that saves ourselves. God saves us. Um, God adopts us as his child. Uh, God puts his spirit inside of us. But this week and this morning, what I want to talk about is more of the human responsibility that we have as people who have committed our lives to Christ of our responsibility we have to God living into that life he's given us. See, the Bible's pretty clear about this, is that when we become Christians, for those of us who are, you become adopted as a child, you get the Spirit of God inside of you, but then the scriptures say that we start a life brand new, right? Like we kind of start over, spiritually speaking, and we get to put to death all of the old stuff, all the bad stuff, all the things we've struggled with and dealt with in our past and start brand new. So if you became a Christian when you were 95 or you became a Christian when you were five, it's the same thing. You start over from where you are and you begin this new journey in your pursuit of God. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And what I want to focus on this morning is that second part where it says the new life has begun because that's it's pretty much the outcome of salvation, right? Like that's the outcome of what we do when we become followers of Christ. And the expectation here is that as we grow in our faith, we start this journey and we grow closer to God, that we move further and further and further away from the sin that we deal with and we struggle with. Right, that's kind of like this expectation that as we learn more about God, as we grow in our faith, as we grow in the understanding of who God wants us to be and some of the decisions he wants us to make in life, that the things we struggle with in our past become more distant and distant as we go throughout life. And so what that turns into for many of us is we go through seasons where we try really, really, really hard 
to be good Christians. Right, so if you are a Christian here, you've probably gone through a time in your life, maybe multiple times, where you've tried really hard to fight against sin in your life. You know, maybe it's something specific. Maybe it's like greed or envy or lust or anger or pride. Or maybe it's just like a general, like, I want to be a good person. I want to be who God has created for me to be. I want to follow the scripture. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what I can. And, and most of us, if not all of us, at some point in our lives have come to the exact same spot where we leave discouraged and frustrated because we've tried so, so, so hard and we've ended up failing. We end up right back where we started, still struggling with the same things, dealing with the same things that we've gone through our whole lives, and sometimes that can feel like we've gotten absolutely nowhere. Sometimes because of that, we give up. Sometimes because of that, we, you know, in that frustration and discouragement, we, we say, well, we can't ever get to the spot where we're completely sinless, which is true, and so we just kind of give up. But what I think we're going to see this morning in the Bible is, is why that happens, of why we end up failing and, and end up frustrated and discouraged when we try to fight and combat that sin in our lives, and really what we can do in order to change to get rid of that sin as much as we can while we're still here on this earth. Okay, so if you want to follow along, you can you go scan that QR code, open up the Church Center app, and, we, and click the notes, and you can fill this in for learning number one. We will always do what we think will make us the happiest. Like We've kind of got to get to a spot where we understand why we struggle with the same sins, why we deal with the same problems and issues in our lives as we go throughout life. And really what it boils down to is this. We will always do the things that we feel will make us happiest, the things that will bring us the greatest joy, the things that we, you know, we can look at how we spend our time, how we spend our money. And typically those are the things we value. Typically those are the things that we think will bring us the greatest pleasure, the greatest satisfaction in our lives. And really, that's what it comes down to, is we will do what we think is best for us. See, I think what we, you know, especially if you've been in a church for a long time, maybe you grew up in a traditional church, or you just go into church for, for as long as you can remember, many of us have this sort of a misunderstanding of sin. Like when you hear of sin, or you read about it in the Bible, it's like this evil, wicked, like disgusting thing that we do, and, and which it is, right? Sin is evil. Like I don't want you to think that this morning I'm preaching that it's not evil, it's not wrong, because it is. 1 John 5 says this in verse 17, all wicked actions are sin. And then it says in chapter 3, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And so it's wrong, we shouldn't do it, and it's bad, right? But but as a Christian, if you've crossed that line of faith, like you've got to realize like you don't sin because you're just some evil, wicked, immoral person anymore. Like if, if God's adopted us as his own and put his spirit inside of us and made us new, that's not who we are anymore. Yes, we have that sinful nature inside of us, but that's not what controls us. We talked about that the last few weeks. And so the reason why we deal with sin and struggle with sin isn't because we're evil anymore. It's just because we think it's better. We have a desire for it in our lives, and I'll get to that in a second, but, but you've got to ask your, yourself as a Christian, you know, if, if I am a new person, if I am made new, if I'm a new creation, if my old life is gone and my new life has come and I'm supposed to live into that, then why do I struggle with sin still? I mean, why do I still go down those same roads that I've gone down for the last, you know, couple years or, or throughout your life? You still struggle with the same things. 
You still battle those same demons inside of you that, that pull you back into the person who you know you shouldn't be, and it pulls you further and further away from God. See, I think what the scripture teaches us is this in James chapter 1, and this is really important. Temptation comes from our own desires. They entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So he's saying here in verse 14, temptation comes from, the sin that we deal with comes from our own desires. Like, why do I keep struggling with this? It's because you like it, because you want it. Because deep within who you are, you crave that, you desire it. It says right, that it kind of lures us into that promise of sin, that it's going to give us something that we don't have, and we want that. Like, we desire whatever that is, right? And so that sinful nature, it can deceive us with the lie that, that what the world has for us is better than what God has for us. That what God promises us isn't as cracked up as it's meant to be, right? And so we see this all throughout the Bible. It's almost like this, it's almost like junk food, right? Like none of, like we're pretty educated people, right? Most of us. Like we know that junk food's bad for us. Like no one's eating, you know, a sleeve of Oreos at 9.30 at night and thinking like, this is going to be good for me, right? <laughs> Like, we're not stupid. We know that junk food is bad for us. We know that we should be eating healthier. We know that if we eat healthy food, it's going to be better and it's going to make us stronger and, and, you know, mentally, physically, even sometimes spiritually, right, that has huge effects on us. Like, we don't eat junk food because we want to destroy our bodies. We eat junk food because it tastes good, <laughs> right? Like, there's no, like, special thing in that, right? Like, we, we, we like things, so we do them, right? We get pleasure out of something, and so we engage in it. And that's the same thing in our lives. Is as Christians, we don't sin because we want to destroy our, our spiritual lives. We don't sin because, you know, we're angry at God. And, you know, sometimes we can have those moments in life where we, we do get angry, but, but we sin, we deal and struggle with sin because it's good, right? Junk food tastes better. Eating, you know, a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch at night is better than eating a bowl of carrots at night. And that's the same thing with our lives, the spiritual lives, is that sometimes the promise and the result of sin feels better and, and, and seems better than what God has to offer. Like, think about greed. A lot of us, a lot of us we struggle with greed. Like, it's not because we struggle with greed because we're evil people. We struggle with greed because having things is better than not having things, <laughs> Right, like being envious, like envy is a big thing that we all deal with too. Like we were envious of people who are happy, right? Because being happy is better than being unhappy. Like we struggle with lust because feeling good is better than not feeling good. Right, like you kind of get where that's going is we don't struggle necessarily because we're, we're evil, wretched people. You know, if we become Christians, we're a new creation. God has put his spirit inside of us to go against that. We do it because we think it's better. It tastes better. It feels better. It satisfies more, even if that's just for a few minutes. And this isn't something new for us. You know, a lot of times we think because, you know, Christians and, you know, the, the 21st century we live in, we struggle with this more than other people did. Like, this goes back all the way to the very foundations of what we read in the Bible of Adam and Eve, right? A lot of you know the story. Adam and Eve, God creates them, puts them in a garden, and he, he's got all these trees around. He says, you can eat from any tree in this garden except this one right here. Do not eat from this tree. 
And the idea we get is that God's like, you will be happier in your life if you eat from the other ones and, and refrain from this. And so Adam and Eve are going throughout their lives, right? And, and, and they, don't, they don't hate God. They're not angry at God. They, they're not mad or thinking that God doesn't understand them. But what happens to them? They, they get tricked. They get deceived into thinking that God is withholding something from them that's going to make their lives better. And so the devil comes and tempts them. And he's like, did God really tell you not to, to eat from that? Oh, really? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's going to make your life a lot better. Here's what he says in chapter 3. Your eyes will be open. Here's the promise he makes. Your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Right? He's promising your life will be better. You're going to see things and experience things that you've never experienced before in your life. You'll be happier. You'll be more full. You'll be more complete. And so, you know, as we go throughout our lives, we need to understand that, that as we try to figure out what we need to do in order to battle sin and to fight sin against, you know, of that, fight that sinful nature inside of us. It's not just more of trying harder and, and fighting more against the things we know we're not supposed to do, but it's got to come down to a complete fundamental change of who we are. Right? Like anyone who's in nutrition will tell you diets don't work. Right? You might be able to diet for a couple weeks or a couple months, but in the end, you'll revert back to the person you were. You've got to change your lifestyle. Like you've got to retrain your taste buds so that at night or you know, when you want that snack, you don't go for the junk food, you go for the healthy food. You need to, to understand how to control your appetite, right? And it's the same thing spiritually. We need to learn how we can change our taste buds spiritually and learn how to do and live into the person God has for us by changing what we desire. And so we talked a little bit about this last week, right? We talked about how we can do this by changing the way we think. We talked about how important that was and how, you know, a lot of times we struggle with, you know, negative thoughts and negative emotions. And, you know, sometimes we think that God might not love us as much as, you know, church people and the Bible tells us so. Um, we, we talked about how if we, you know, consume our minds, we let our minds be filled with, like, junk, then our, our lives are going to reflect that. And so we talked about how important it is to understand and live in who God created us to be by having those healthy thoughts and, and not live in shame, not live in, you know, a life of guilt, not live in the life of our past, but change the way we think about everything. And so that's a really big part of it, too. But the second part is, is we need to change the way we make our decisions, so learning number two, if we want to make positive changes in our lives, we need to make good decisions. Now, I know that's kind of a Captain Obvious, <laughs> right? But it's true. To change anything in our lives, we need to start with our decision making. We need to start with where we go when we have to make decisions. And it's really easy for us to be deceived into thinking that our way is the best, what we want is the best, what we think is best is actually best. But here's what the Bible says about that in, verse, or in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says it this way, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. Right, like each one of us, we go through decisions and we make decisions and choices in our lives where we think we're doing the right thing, but in the end, it leads to death. It's not as good as we thought it was going to be. Um, you, you guys ever watch Shark Tank? Anyone? 
like that show where they, you know, they come on and they've got these business ideas and they you know, lay it out before these sharks and you can get an investment if it's a good idea. Well, you, know, you can watch this show and binge it and you'll see some of the most brilliant people on the planet. It's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? That's crazy. Uh, but there was this one episode, and then every once in a while you'll get these people who are just like, how did you get on the show? Um, where he's got this genius idea of a Bluetooth speaker that is inserted into your ear canal. And it's like perfect sound. You, kind of, you can calibrate it depending on you know, how you hear and all that, you know, the good stuff. Um, but, but they're like, you can connect it to your phone, your TV, you know, movie theaters. And so it's a pretty good idea. And so they're like, how, how do you charge it? It's got to run on battery. And so this guy pulls out like a syringe from his bag. And he's like, you just stick it in your ear at night when you sleep and it recharges. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, like, that's a terrible idea. Like, it started really good, but ended terribly, right? It's kind of like that we have good ideas sometimes, but they're so short-sighted, we don't think about the long-term consequences of how that actually plays out in real life. And I think that's what it means here in Proverbs, that we all have ideas, we all have plans, we all have this, uh, this, this idea of how we think life should go, and so we make our decisions based on that. But in the end, if we're doing it without God, it leads to death, right? It leads to a place where we're further away from, from God. Even strong Christians dealt with this. We, we see this in Peter. A lot of us know Peter the Apostle. He's one of the main followers of Jesus when he was walking this earth, and and there was this moment where Jesus was telling his disciples, he's like, all right, my time is getting to an end. And he starts to tell his disciples, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die soon. And not only am I just going to die, but people are going to come take me and I'm going to be killed. And so immediately some of the disciples are like, no, 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 wait, wait, whoa, this is not going to happen. This is like, we'll protect you. We'll guard you. Like, we'll do whatever we need to do. And so one of those guys was Peter. And here's what it says in Matthew 16. It says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Like, can you imagine that? Like, like that's the verse you get is like, I reprimanded Jesus. Like, <laughs> it says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And so Jesus turns to Peter and says this. This is one of the most intense conversations in all the Bible. He says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. He's like, in other words, you're, you're seeing life too short-sighted, right? You're not thinking of the consequences of your decisions, of, of what you want and what you desire in life. Because on one hand, it would be terrible, right? If Jesus dies, like, that's Peter's, like, best friend. Like, Jesus has lived almost three years alongside of these guys every single day. He's shared his life with them. They've shared their lives with Jesus, and, and he's become their best friend. This is, he, he's supposed to be the Messiah, the king of the Jewish people. Like, like he's not just going to die. If he dies, it ruins everything. And so, in one way, you kind of got to understand Peter, right? Like, he doesn't want Jesus to die. However, the flip side of that is if Jesus doesn't die, then he doesn't get to accomplish the purpose that God sent him into this world to accomplish, to die for the sins of the world. And so what Jesus is saying here is you can't think so short-sighted that you ignore the long-term consequences of those decisions. And that's the same thing we deal with 2,000 years later, isn't it? Is when we make decisions, a lot of times they're based on that instant gratification, that immediate reward that we can get without thinking 
What's this going to look like in six months? What's this going to be like in a year or five years or 10 years down the road? And many of us here in this room or watching online, you've, you've made decisions in your life where you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about because right now I'm living in those consequences of the actions I've made and the decisions I've made in my life. See, if we want to follow Christ and learn how to, to shift our mindset of getting rid of sin as much as we possibly can on this earth, then we need to change the way we make decisions. Here's what Proverbs chapter 3, or verse 5 says. One of the easiest ways we can do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Instead, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Right, so simple formula, right? He's saying this, if you want to, to know what God wants for you, you want to know what you should make in, as far as a decision, no matter what it is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's where you've got to start. Trusting that God's plan is better than yours. You know, we've got to put ourselves, our, our own desires, our own motives, our own wants and needs aside and say, what does God want? I need to trust that what he has for me and wants for me is better than anything that I could imagine for my own life. And then he says, seek his will in all you do. Seek his will. Like, what is God? God's not going to speak to you audibly about this. But as we go throughout life, we kind of feel like, okay, maybe this is where he wants me to go. This is what he wants me to do. This is the type of decision that he wants me to make in life. And here's the promise of that. He will show you which path to take. Trust the Lord. Seek his will. And that's the promise. He's going to show you what decision to make. And so if we want to change our, our mindset, we want to change our outlook on life, not only do we have to change the way we think, but we've got to change the way we make decisions. And then the third thing, learning number three, if we want to make a positive change in our lives, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. This is probably one of the hardest things to do as an adult. One of the most difficult things to understand is how impactful the people around us influence our lives. You know, one of the things I was reading about this week is as we get older, and this is no surprise to us, as we get out of high school and get out of college, one of the hardest things for human beings to do is to make good friends, right? And so they shared this statistic, and I want to play this with you here too, is think in your mind, I want you to think how many like real, genuine friends that you've got. And it's not just, you know, people online or people who we used to be friends with when we were younger and we catch up every couple months, but like how many people do you have in your life that's not your spouse, it's not your significant other, it's not your kids, not your parents, no one in your family. How many people do you consider to be your friend that would also consider you to be their friend? Right? And these are the types of people who, if something really bad happens in your life, you want to call them and talk to them about it. Or if something really good happens in your life, you want to call them and talk to them about it too. Get a number in your mind. How many, how many is that in your mind? You want to know the average American adult outside of college, after college? It's between zero and one. The most common answer was zero. Is that we kind of go throughout life and and as we grow up, we get so busy and we get so consumed with, you know, our careers and, and even families, which I'm not saying you can't be friends with your family. You know, some of you, you don't want to be friends with your family, but that's the thing, right? You want to be best friends with your spouse. You want to have a great relationship with your parents and your extended family and your children. But we need people in our lives who we can rely on and people need us in their lives to rely on them too. See, friendship is one of the most important aspects of growing in your faith. 
the community you surround yourself with is one of the most impactful things and influential things that determine who you become as a person. I mean, we learn it as little kids, right? Who you become, you know, who you, who you become friends with is typically who you become, right? The, the way you share your life with other people is typically the, the person you turn into. And, and that's not a surprise. It's the same thing as adults as well. But many of us, we struggle with that because it's so hard to meet other people that have those same interests or maybe other people who see life the same way you do. And for some of us, it's just not worth our time. Right? We just don't consider it as important enough to spend time building and cultivating relationships with other people. You know, at Blue Ridge, my job here, like my main job, is to oversee the groups. Which if you're new or you're not familiar with our groups, that's basically the small groups of our church. And, uh, and one of the cool things that I get to see on a pretty regular basis every time we do groups, we do three different sessions uh, between eight to ten weeks per session uh, throughout the year. And one of the coolest things that I see on a regular basis is people come to this church, maybe they live somewhere different, or maybe you just you don't really know anybody here, maybe you came for school or came for a job or you moved your family here, and you don't know anybody, and so you sign up for a group. And maybe the first couple of weeks, pretty awkward, right? Like you're walking into a room of people you don't know, they don't know you. And, and one of the ways we try to combat this is we try to reset all of our groups every single semester, right? So it's not like the same 10 people in the group for the last, you know, 40 years and you're the new person. Uh, we try to make it awkward for everybody, right? We want everyone to be the new person. Uh, and that's okay, right? We got to be in discomfort a little bit to, to put ourselves out there and, and try to get to know people. And, and like I said, the first couple of weeks can be somewhat, you know, uh, do I want to go to the group? Do I not want to? But usually by like week three or four, it's cool to watch to see the relationships that are built in these groups. You know, there's some of you here in this room who've joined a group at Blue Ridge over the last couple of years or maybe even recently, and you are best friends with that other person because of the relationship that was cultivated in that group, right? You share your life with them. They share their lives with you. When things get really tough for you, that's the first person you call when you celebrate in your life, that's the first person you call. And, and it's amazing to watch those people not only grow in friendship, but also to grow spiritually. Like it's crazy to watch as they grow closer to one another, that they also grow together closer to God, right? Because you've got the same interests. You're both on the same journey. You might be going different paces, might be in different spots in your life, different journeys, but you're on the same mission together trying to figure life out. And so you struggle together, you celebrate together. It's so important for us to understand how impactful good, right relationships are in our walk of faith. I heard this one time, and, and I've never forgotten it, and, and it says this, having no friends makes hurting harder and makes happiness lonelier. Right? Think about that. When you have no friends, no real genuine friends, it makes hurting harder. Like It's hard to go through difficulties on their own, but doing it by yourself just makes the pain even worse. And the same thing on the other side, right? It makes happiness lonelier. Like you don't realize how lonely you are until you have some kind of amazing thing happening in your life and you realize you've got no one to share it with. You've got no one to tell. And it makes you feel lonely. Even though good things could be happening in your life, you just have no one to celebrate with. That's why relationships, right relationships, are so important for us to have as we go throughout life, especially if we want to live in the life that God created for us and live that spiritual journey. Galatians chapter 6 says this in verse 2, to share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. 
right? The law of Christ, like that's pretty intense to sharing in one another's burdens, to helping one another get through difficult times in life. That's part of the reason why God says it's so important for us to surround ourselves with those people. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It is so important to realize that good friends make us better people and the right friends make us godlier people. And so ask yourself, I mean, think about this in your life. The people who you do have, people you hang out with, you do have friends, what direction do those friends push you in? I mean, are they the types of people who push you closer to God or do they pull you further away from God? And again, I'm not up here to be the, the, you know, the, the Christian police and tell you you shouldn't be hanging out with that person if they are. Because we want to have friendships that you know, are of both different sides, right? We want to have people in our lives who know Christ, who don't know Christ. And I don't want you to stand, I think that I'm standing up here saying that if, and if you're friends with people who are pulling you away, then you just got to cut that relationship off forever. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we've got to take a serious look at our lives of the people we spend our, most of our time with and decide, are they pushing me closer to who God wants me to become or are they pulling me further away? Like if we really truly want to live on this journey where we follow Christ and live into that purpose that he has for us, what are the people closest to us doing on that journey? Where are they headed with you? One of the easiest ways we can change the way we live and to get rid of as much sin in our lives as we can is by finding people around you who will help hold you accountable, to help hold you responsible. Accountability is just a different word of saying responsibility, right? And as Christians, what we read is there's a lot of responsibility to live into the life that God has made for us. And so those three ways, changing the way you think, huge. Changing, changing the way you make decisions, so important. And then making sure you're doing life with the right people. Those three things will help you change the way you see life and change the desires that you have in your life to start seeing God clearer. But the Bible says this, it's a battle. The last two weeks we've talked about this being a tough battle where we, we're fighting constantly against that sinful nature that's trying to pull us away from that person. But this is a battle. I mean, think about it. Changing the way you think, I mean, you just can't do that overnight. <laughs> Especially if you're older. Like you've been making, you know, your, your mind's working a certain way that, that you can't just let go of. It's going to take time. It's going to be a process. Changing the way you make decisions, same thing. Trying to make new friends as an adult, really difficult to do. But that's why I think God calls the Christian life a battle. It says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. I think what we, we need to realize is when we fight these battles, these internal battles, sometimes external battles, the spirit that God put inside of us gives us the power to conquer any enemy. And I think what we need to to really understand is we need to go through life as we try to get rid of sin and try to become closer to God and closer to who he wants us to be, is we've got to change what we love to do sometimes in order to make that happen. Change the things we desire to do in order to be that person that he has for us. And here's what I think we'll realize and discover, is that the desires we have will change. You know, there's that verse in the Bible, I can't remember what actual chapter and verse it is, but it, it says something like this, God will give you the desires of your heart, right? Trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, many times we think of that verse and we think, oh, like God's just going to give me what I want. Like, that's awesome. 
But that's not really what it means, right? What it really means is God will give you new desires in your heart, right? If we trust in him, that he's going to give us a new set of desires and new things that will make us happy, new things that we'll find joy doing, and those will leave us better than anything the world has to offer. The promise we have before, the promise we have now is if we live our lives in that way, God will satisfy, gratify, gratify, and fill us more and more and more every day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word and for what you give to us in the scripture here. God, it is not an easy thing to change major areas of our lives if we want to live the way that we know you want us to live. But God, help us to see that you are the source of a joy that lasts and it's a source of a joy that's better than anything else the world can offer. Help us change. Help us to grow closer to you. Help us to become men and women and children who who desire you, who run after you, who try to pursue our relationship with you. Even if that means we've got to change the way we think. Even if that means we've got to do our best to get rid of those thoughts that tear us down and, and push us away from that person. God, help us to change the way we make decisions, to think more long-term and not be blinded by the short-sighted temptations that we face on a daily basis. God, bring people into our lives that will help us do this. Bring people along that will help us on the journey and people who we can help on their journey as well. God, we trust you and we lean on you and we live into the promise that if we do those things, you will show us the path to take. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, y'all, thanks so much for being here. I know it's the holiday weekend, so maybe if you've got some plans, I hope you have a good next couple of days here. Um, I do want to let you know of one thing. We are in the beginning of our group session. You know, I'd be, you know, if I didn't plug my shameful, you know, groups here. Uh, but, but we are in the middle of signups for leaders. You know, if you want to be a, a group leader, you want to join a community of people who you know, maybe, you know, takes your relationship with God to the next level. You're just looking for people to hang out with. Uh, I want to challenge you to consider being a group leader. You know, you don't have to be a Bible study group. You can be a a group where people just hang out. You can watch hokey games together. You can watch NFL games together, play golf together, go on walks together. Um, We've got groups all around the spectrum of people doing all sorts of things. And so if leading a group or facilitating a group is something that you want to do, you can go to our website. You can go to the Church Center app and fill out that application. Um, If you don't want to be a leader, but you want to be a part of a group next Sunday, so a week from today, we're going to have leader or a group participant signups. And so I want to challenge you again, if, if you have never been in a group, if maybe you've, you feel lonely and you don't have many friends around here, uh, you can be a single, you can be married, you can you know, have any kind of stage of life, there's a group that will be for you, okay? So next week, a week from today, make sure to sign up, and then we're going to start our group sessions at the end of the month. Again, thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a great rest of your week.